1: What it do, Hardwood Knox listeners, welcome to the start of the 2019-2020 NBA regular season. We have a loaded pod for you today, hopefully not too long of a one, as this is the intro and we don't know how long it's going to end up when we're recording it. We're going to talk Pelicans, Rockets outlooks, New Orleans' is especially interesting after the Zion injury. Also get into our playoff predictions and our finals predictions. There will be an awards pod coming later this week and probably next week we'll have something on all the extensions that were signed as well. But, as usual, I'm coming at you with my super-duper, incredibly esteemed, awesome-times-awesome, awesome, fantabulous, spectaculario, totally, incredibly, amazingly, astonishingly stoked that both the NBA season is here and that Kevin Love told the New York Times' as Alex Wong that visiting Wyoming over the summer was awesome, co-host Andrew D. Bailey. Before we get started... Usual housekeeping notes. First off, we want to shout out Axios, which is just one of the best sports newsletters around. Sports.axios.com. Go there, subscribe. They really help you sort through all the sports news, send everything pertinent to you so that you don't have to worry about keeping up with all the day to day information on your own. It's a huge help. Andy and I love it. There'll be a read for it later in this podcast, but just make sure you're going to sports.axios.com dot com and subscribing to because we really want to give them a shout out and get them some traction also follow the show on hardwood Knox at hardwood Knox on twitter that was a weird way to butcher it you can follow andy on twitter at andrew d bailey i am at Dan valley f-a-v-a-l-e follow blue wire on twitter at blue wire pods i am tweeting from there and you can also check out all of our other amazing podcasts on the network there as well lastly if you have not Subscribe to, rated, and reviewed Hardwood Knocks on Twitter. We ask that you please do that immediately. It takes 10 to 15 seconds out of your day. It really helps us out here at the show. We can be found wherever else you're consuming your podcast, Spotify, Google Play, Art19, Blog Talk, v Whole 9, and then more. But again, iTunes really lets us know that you're out there and that you're listening. If you've done all those three things, share our tweets about this on social media so that we're not just promoting Into the Void as well. That helps us out a lot, too. Whew, I'm a little bit out of breath. But I am ready. Andy, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing good. Uh, I don't blame you for uh, being a little bit winded after that. That was a mouthful. And you handled it uh, gracefully and uh, professionally. I I, uh, I respect you for it.
1: I appreciate your respect and your low bar for (laughs) good content, as always. Where do you want to start with, the Rockets or the Pelicans?
0: Let's go Rockets.
1: All right. So we're going to be doing the sexy six as usual. We each have two things we're watching general observations, and then we'll each have something that we think is flying under the radar with this team. I will defer to you first, Andy, what do you got?
0: Um, so my first big question with this team, I think this is an obvious one. Uh, I'm, I'm not really going off the beaten path here. I just want to know what specifically Russell Westbrook's role is with this team. Um, I don't have it pulled up so I don't want to misspeak, but I think I saw somewhere that he had more turnovers than field goals made in the preseason. Does that sound familiar to you?
1: I don't remember seeing that. I have it pulled up here right now though. I'm
0: going to I'm going to check right now. He averaged 5.5 oh.
1: made field goals per game and 5.3 turnovers per game.
0: So, same same general neighborhood. Um <laughs> I don't know. It's just going to be really interesting to see how he fits with Harden. I mean, this is again, this is not a um, off the beaten path suggestion here. Harden dominates the ball. Um, He's really good when he's surrounded by shooters and the biggest knock on Westbrook for his entire career. And especially last season is the shooting. Um, So while I think, it's probably going to work, and I think that's I've said that on the podcast a few times, like I think they're gonna figure it out. they're both really talented um it might take an adjustment period um it it's still to me, I just kind of want to see how it works I, I i don't even know if I can articulate it um but but that's where I am with that one
1: <laughs> no i'm w- I'm with you there I didn't pick that one because i would I was assuming that you were going to pick it, and if of us yeah. picked it that would have been hysterical look it's they rank first Harden and Westbrook rank first and second respectively in usage rate since 2016-2017 so that's that's a big deal and then you have Westbrook where it's not just as I don't even want to say it was simple with Chris Paul but where you can trust him to hit off the dribble threes or even standstill threes uh Westbrook has shot 34.2 percent on wide open trays since 2016-2017 Houston apparently plans to get him moving off the ball uh, I didn't watch a ton of the Rockets in the preseason. I was I was looking at other teams. But let's see if that model kind of holds You know, into crunch time, months into the season. That's things that I really want to see. My gut reaction, though, is if someone's worried about them to the extent that they won't be contenders or that they'll miss the playoffs, is that we're talking about James Harden, top five player, and Westbrook, who's probably still top 15, I would say. And established talent does have a way of of figuring things out, and maybe just having a higher quality of looks will help him. Maybe we'll just see extreme staggering between the two. I'm, I'm still wildly interested though to see what this looks like on the court long term. Not even these hot streaks or cold streaks to open the season. I, I really want to know what it's going to look like o- over the long haul.
0: Yeah, um, definitely something to keep an eye on all season. What was your first one?
1: Okay, so this is probably not going to be a popular one. Has Clint Capella peaked? Like. How much better can he get? We, I think, he's still a big that can be played off the floor, even without the existence of the Warriors. And I don't think it was as simple as, oh, he's only being played off the floor in against Golden State. I think there are other teams that can really get to that point where maybe they're even throwing semi-traditional fives out that are really tough matchups for him. It could be the Nuggets with Nikola Jokic. Uh, you know, it could be maybe as simple as the Clippers going like sort of small, but with with Jermichael Green. Although that's probably not the perfect example certainly the the lakers with anthony davis Uh, it'll probably help that i don't think he'll be hanging out in the dunker spot as much as he was towards the end of last season particularly in the playoffs i would think that spread pick and roll has to be a huge part of what houston's doing because of westbrook and so maybe you tightly mirror his minutes with that but i i really just you know he had a good season last year career highs in minutes points rebounds even free throw shooting i just there seems to be like this cap on him and that maybe maybe he's reached it
0: I don't I don't think that's an unfair um assessment of him if I had to pick some area where he would improve I I feel like it might be kind of hard to do that like I I can't pinpoint some area where he's just going to break out all of a sudden so I think that's fair
1: I mean look he's still really good I just don't know there's a part of me that thinks maybe their wing rotation makes this impossible but that PJ Tucker is just better off being at the five and they use Tabo Cephalosha at the four and that's what they lean yeah. on.
0: Yeah. And I think that'll, I, I think lineups like that are definitely going to happen at points this year. Um, My next one is how committed are they to the isolations? Um, that was obviously, I, I don't know what percentage of their offense that was last season, but their ISO numbers were just off the charts last year. Uh, and it wasn't just Harden, although he was obviously the main guy. Chris Paul isolated a bunch too, and it worked with those two, especially with Harden, because they could they could get decent points per possession out of those isos. I don't think that's going to be the case with with Westbrook. Um, so I'm I'm curious to see when those two are on the floor. I guess this is kind of an extension of my first one, but I want to see if there's a more of a ball movement um, sort of. My, I, <laughs> I'm going to say modern offense, even though the Rockets, like ISO heavy thing, is even more modern than the uh, <laughs> than the recent ball movement trend, I guess. Uh, or I could say it harkens back to the early 2000s. Anyway, um, I just don't think they're going to be able to rely on it as heavily as they have with Westbrook in the lineup. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see if they can mix in any sort of offensive wrinkles. I think you've got to get some... I think you've got to get ball movement so that Westbrook's attacking uh, off-balance defenses. He's attacking closeouts. Um, I I want to keep him moving towards the rim. I know there's been some talk that he's going to get some threes up, but I think you've got to take advantage of his strengths. Um, And that's, to me, going to be attacking a disadvantaged defense, and I think ball movement does that.
1: Isolation counted for 20.4% of Houston's offensive possessions last year. (laughs) The second-place team, ironically, Oklahoma City, 8.9% 8.9% of their of possession. So more than twice as much. Yeah. As other that's teams. crazy. When you have James Harden though. That's what you do. And even Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, however, 31, 31, 31st, excuse me, percentile of efficiency in isolations with an effective field goal percentage of, of 38.1. You go back to 2017, 2018, not much better. 43rd percentile effective field goal percentage of 40. Go back to 2016, 2017. He was better. Uh, he averaged 0.94 points per possession, still not hyper-efficient, but relative to isolation, 72nd percentile. And then going back one more to 2015, 2016, this is before Durant left, he was in the 37th percentile of isolation. So statistically not an efficient ISO player, which is why maybe that bodes well for, for Clint Capella, but it'll kind of be interesting to see how they sort of generate, they'll generate spacing, but they need their guys to be knocking down shots. And that leads me to, unless you have anything to add on this point, my second mm-hmm. thing about this team, their wing rotation is all sorts of question mark loaded. Yeah. You have PJ Tucker who can play the four and is basically switchable across the wing spots. I like Daniel house for his defensive malleability, even though he didn't have the best postseason run. Uh, they do have tabo. Sefalosha who, you know, I'm high on, especially at, at the four, but like after the Gerald green injury, I don't know if they were expecting anything out of anthony bennett before they had to wave him after um he was injured you have Austin rivers who had some good moments last year uh eric gordon you needed him to defend some wings in the in the playoffs last year i actually thought he did a pretty good job doing it you have ben macklemore there's just all sorts of like fluctuating unproven talents uh aside from eric gordon and, and pj tucker that you kind of need or, or old heads if you're looking at Thomas us that you need to log these minutes and Gerald green ends up being a a big loss for them I'm also wondering if maybe that's why we don't see a lot of PJ Tucker at the five is they weren't the best defensive lineups last year and now that you've effectively lost two wings because we can include Anthony Bennett even though he was waived it does get a little bit harder to throw out those lineups unless you really trust Daniel House at the four or Tabo Cephalosha at the four and so I'm I'm very intrigued slash concerned to see whether they get just something out of these flyers that they need to hit on. And I would say they need to hit on at least one of them. And I'll say, even though they re-signed Daniel House and he was there last year, same with Gary Clark, I'll call them flyers. And they probably need to hit on at least one or two of these guys now in a big way.
0: Yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's definitely a big uh, thing to watch for with this team. My last one is James Harden's catch and shoot numbers. Uh, I guess you're under the radar
1: rocket storyline.
0: They're, they're all kind of, um, they're all kind of interrelated, I guess. They're all sort of Westbrook and Harden, but like, like I just talked about so much of Harden's offense came from isolation last season. And I, you know, I, I think there's somehow another level for James Harden to get to. And if it's Westbrook giving him more catch and shoot, if, if he can become more efficient, um, as as wild as that is to think i mean he averaged 36 points on true shooting over 60 last season so if there's another another level after that it's it's hard to fathom but i think it is there and i think that the way to get there is catch and shoot um he, he again a huge chunk of his offense was isolation last season and it's typically more efficient to just catch the ball and shoot it um you know statistically it's always been that way and for those of you who've played some ball, even if it's like pickup level, you know that it's it's generally easier to catch and shoot than it is to shoot off the dribble. So I'm very curious to see sort of what the next level is for James Harden, and I think that's the path to get there.
1: How many spot-up possessions do you think made up his offense last year? I'll give you a percentage, over, under, six.
0: <laughs> um, I feel like you're trying to trick me. I'm going to say over.
1: Under, 3.2%. I actually wow. tried to give you a gimme there
0: not even close he did
1: average 1.19 points per possession that situation uh 5.1 percent in 2017 2018 the first year with chris paul i think they probably and he wasn't efficient in those situations that year by the way i think they ended up needing to rely on him more these past two years than they thought they'd have to certainly last year with chris paul's injury uh I, i can see the argument to up his catch and shoot percentage or maybe you need to make it work with westbrook but then i wonder if that sort of rankles the pairing at all because I don't know that I want the ball out of James Harden's hands because I know Westbrook has averaged more assists but Harden's the better passer to me
0: yeah I think that's fair but I I also think um I I don't know how many other ways you can get Westbrook involved to the degree that he needs to be involved yeah because I, I think if he's spending every possession off the ball when they're Together, uh, that that's not the optimal offense for them. Just because he's he's a terrible catch and shoot target. (laughs) Uh,
1: Maybe he has a career career year there. Who knows? That's again, The whole Westbrook Harden thing is just certainly tantalized It's going to be. I want to see how it works. Everyone wants to see how it works, and it sort of does give this team their floor is still extreme. Their ceiling is still extremely high, but it gives them probably a little bit more variance than I think in most uh, thought to be contenders. My under-the-radar thing for them is I don't think we're talking enough about how this team has impulsive mid-season, maybe early-season trade potential because their roman yeah. Tillman Fertitta is just... Again, it, it seems like he's very impulsive when you just look at the things he said. He called James Harden the best defender when he's locked in in the NBA <laughs> over the offseason. I get supporting your player, but like we need to choose our words more carefully there. So... You look at it. I don't think they'll trade PJ Tucker. I would be shocked because there's not going to be a star wing available. My guess would be this year. Um, Eric Gordon, I would also say they're not going to trade uh, just because his, just, I know his three point percentage wasn't super high last year, 36%, but one, he shoots 38.3% on catch and shoot triples, which is going to be huge when you're playing alongside such ball dominant talent. But He converted more threes from 27 feet or deeper last year than everyone except Stephen Curry and James Harden. And so having someone who shoots from that far out is even more imperative to open the floor around Russell Westbrook and definitely the the Westbrook-Harden pairing. So he seems, and with that extension, uh, it it all just, that seems like it might make him more difficult to trade anyway. I don't know which teams would really jump at that. And so then I, I end up, there's obviously the Nene contract, but one, how willing are the Rockets actually to pay the tax by using that and it also doesn't seem like the the deal that uh they ended up with it's not that it doesn't seem like they didn't end up with the deal that they wanted when they initially signed him and so i'm kind of i'm looking at Clint capella here then uh because he has the the 15 million ish salary and for a starting center you know you look at it's on an upward scale i believe his contract yeah but he never makes more than 18.2 million over the next four years he's still relatively young and so if you're the rockets and you're fine rolling forward with. Tyson Chandler and PJ Tucker's your five, maybe you are getting back a reserve big in any trade. That's the name to keep an eye on. The caveat is I don't think that it's gonna they're just gonna throw him away where it's you know, Clint Capella to Atlanta for now and Crab or something like that. I don't think that happens, but it's just sort of a name to me to watch because if this team gets off to a slow start or if it seems like there's a gap they need to bridge before um before they're join the circle of contenders, like what if, you know what if Kevin Love is eminently available? I don't know how, how interested Cleveland would be in Capella. They have Larry Nance Jr. So maybe there's a and Tristan Thompson there, obviously, but maybe there's a, a third team in there. So they're they're just a team to watch there for me.
0: Yeah, I could see that for sure. When We'll get to this um, later. But when I was looking at, you know, one of the things that we've addressed with all these teams is the player most likely to be traded, that Capella and, and Salary and also Gordon's salary are both Interesting from that perspective.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm with you there. Maybe it's even like a, I don't even know. I don't. I don't. But like, what if Toronto like is off to a slow start and then puts Marcus Saul on the block? Like he might be a better fit for what Houston's trying to do at this point than than Glenn Capella. Just something. I. I don't know. I'm just throwing things out there off the top of my head. But are you ready to get to our quick intersection? Let's do it. Are the Rockets going to grade out higher on offense or defense going by points per possession?
0: I'm going to go with uh, offense here. It's a uh... Real shocker, I'm sure, but I, I think there's going to be some defensive holes with this team. I know PJ Tucker's a good defensive player, and Capella's pretty good, and like you said, Gordon has shown some chops defending wings. He was especially good on uh, Donovan Mitchell in the playoffs last year. So there's some good defensive players, um, but their two best players, obviously Harden and Westbrook, are are much more offense than defense. So it's going to be offense.
1: And I would think too, I'm with you on this, that we're going to see a lot of Gordon Westbrook and Harden together because Gordon, again, I, I do think is important to making this pairing work. And so when you have those three out there, even though Gordon sort of played a lot better on defense for a good part of last year, and then certainly in the playoffs than, than I expected, I, I would think that your offense is still going to end up being your defining trademark breakout candidate for this team.
0: I'm going with Daniel house. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe he broke out a little bit last season, but I think he's going to have to have a bigger role this year. And and as you mentioned, uh, you know, one of these wings that they have is going to have to pop, so to speak. And he shot 41.6 percent from three last season. He only played 39 games with the Rockets. So there was certainly a chance that that was going to fall off at some point, but he's got – You know, good form. He looks like a solid shooter to me, and that's going to be important uh, when Westbrook's on the floor. I think you're going to need as much shooting as you can get from the other four spots. So of all the sort of wings that that are possible breakout candidates, he's the one for me.
1: Yeah, I would go with him too. Unless you think like Isaiah Hardestein or Gary Clark might be valid answers here, but he just seems like the one who's going to get the most opportunity of any potential breakout candidate here. And he he shot 41.6% from three in the regular season on 4.6 attempts per game, only 39 appearances, 39.5% from the corners. And again, with Gerald Green out, it does feel like they'll have to lean on him more. And if you're going to put someone at the four in those PJ Tucker lineups, my guess would be that it's going to be Daniel House or Tabo Sefalosha. And so then instantly he's just critical to how their defense fares.
0: Yeah, totally agree.
1: Strongest year end of the ward candidate.
0: Uh, This one's definitely got to be James Harden for MVP because he's second place like, in perpetuity.
1: I'm with you there. The only other one I would really consider is maybe Mike D'Antoni for coach of the year because if the Rockets end up being like a a two-seed in the West after everyone doubted the the Westbrook pairing, I don't think that puts Maury in the conversation for executive of the year, but it would certainly put D'Antoni in the combo for coach of the year.
0: Yeah, I could see that for sure
1: offbeat lineup you're dying to see from the rockets
0: i went with westbrook gordon harden house and tucker and i thought it was interesting that you mentioned a couple times that front court possibility because that's that's the one that i want to see i mean westbrook gordon and harden i mean i guess this entire lineup is one that we'll probably see but westbrook gordon harden is a, a trio that we're definitely going to see um i would just like to see it paired with that super small ball front court and um you know, I, I think Tucker – have we gotten the Rockets measurements without shoes since they're going around the NBA doing that? I wonder what P.J. Tucker is. six
1: um, three. Like
0: yeah, I was going to say we've got like a 6'4", 6'5", center in this lineup, but he's shown that he can do it. I mean, he's played plenty of center with Houston over the last couple of years. So I think this is one that we'll probably see, but it's it's also one that's super interesting to me.
1: My lineup is basically the same, except I have Seth Lotion instead of Daniel House. Uh, so Gordon, Westbrook Harden cephalosha tucker cephalosha was just such limited playing time for the jazz the past two seasons but was good defensively at the four and i just think he probably has a better chance even if it's in that 12 to 15 minute per game role i would want to see them allocate all those minutes to the power forward spot with him and that small ball lineup i don't know how it's going to fare defensively but if gordon is okay you know you have a chance with tucker and cephalosha like maybe it's at least good enough defensively maybe the equivalent of like 20th or or 22nd in defensive efficiency to to put on the court for slightly extended periods of time
0: yeah i could see that
1: player most likely to be traded i obviously spoiled my answer here
0: well i kind of spoiled mine too um when i was looking at their uh cap sheet it's it's to me, the most tradable contracts would probably Gordon and Capella, and they might even have to be combined to do a move like you know, like you're describing with Kevin Love or some other big contract like that. But if I have to pick one, I'm probably going to go with Gordon, just because I, I think it's a little bit harder to find a home for a big man. I mean, most teams have centers right now. I mean, we've talked about this for a couple years that the center market is somewhat saturated, and right. Gordon's biggest skill, which is catch and shoot threes is is something that's always going to be on demand so i think he's maybe a little bit little bit easier of a sale if they put either one of those guys on the trade market
1: i would agree with you but i'm sticking with capella just because i think that he's probably it feels like they would only make a move to go after a marquee ish name and capella is going to be the closest they the best salary anchor to do that and then probably the the only player that you can sell is an upside play to a team if, if they're looking to hit a reset.
0: Yeah, I can see that.
1: Where do you think that the Rockets will land in the West?
0: I've got that giant range. I think I did this with maybe a couple teams in the Northwest division as well, but somewhere in the one through six <laughs> range, just because there's so many good teams in the West. I think it's borderline absurd to try and actually pick seeds for any of these teams because they're all so close. Uh, so I think they're in that group that could finish anywhere from first to sixth and be a legitimate title contender.
1: I'm probably exactly with you. I could see a scenario where I, I kind of think it's first to eighth, though. They're playing ah. locks. But like, what if this is the was that 2016, <clears throat> 2017 situation where it was just there was like two or three games separating the seven seed from the eight seed? Yeah. Uh, or excuse me, the two seed from the eight seed or, or whatever it was. And so that's the kind of feeling I have about the West this year I wish I could remember what season exactly it was it wasn't that it must have been maybe 2017 2018 or I'm just misremembering and that never happened no it was so between the third seed and the eighth seed in 2017 2018 it was separated by two games and so that's the type of situation I could see the West being in this year
0: yeah I think that's a good point Um, probably could expand that range a little bit I think you're right
1: boldish prediction for the Rockets
0: all right, did you see the quote? I, I think it was from Dan Tony about how he thinks Harden can average near 40 points a game.
1: I did see that.
0: <laughs> I'm not going to go there, but I am going to say that he averages more than he did last season, which I believe was 36.1, correct?
1: So you're basically um, taking him to win the scoring title unless Steph really averages 40.
0: Yeah, so yeah, he, that, I guess that would be a duel uh prediction for me because i don't think steph gets that high i think he'll be low 30s like you know 31 32 maybe um and i think harden gets up to like 37 this season
1: jesus that is a (laughs) crazy as that sounds
0: um i i i think a big part of james harden's game at this point is just like expanding the bounds of of what we think is possible for scores like it seems like that's something that he really cares about um like he had that other quote this preseason where he's he talks about how he's an innovator and he likes to expand the game and all that stuff. So I think it's like a personal challenge for him to top what he did last season.
1: I like it. I could go that they're going to pull a trade, but I feel like I've talked about it so much that it, I don't want to talk about it anymore, even though that is what I believe. I'm going to just say that when we look back upon this season, maybe there are disappointment in the playoffs, but I think that the Russell Westbrook James Harden pairing is going to work out better than expected. I would say the consensus is they're going to struggle and that the Rockets are going to be worse than last year. I, I just feel like that's not going to be the case because they want to play together. And it, I really just feel like in these situations where there's not that chemical issue between the players, the, the talent is going to win out and to have two top 15 players. What you've essentially gone from is Chris Paul's probably like top 25, Top thirty right now, so you've gone from having two top thirty players to now two top fifteen, and I think we'll feel that difference by season's season's end.
0: Yeah. I agree with that. I, I think they're going to be pretty good together. I, I I know that you know that was the focus of my questions at the top, um, but I do think they're going to figure it out. To what degree, I don't know. I don't know if that makes them a title contender or what, uh, but I do think they'll be good. Following a team you love in
1: 2019 can be time consuming. Trying to follow everything happening in sports is almost impossible. Scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis is impossible. That's why I subscribe to Axios Sports, the best free daily newsletter in the land. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox. When you sign up for free at sports.axios.com, you'll get the best stories from the NBA and NFL to cricket and ping pong and everything in between. Axios Sports also highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. It's super simple to sign up, and, again, it's free. Who doesn't love free? Sports.axios.com Not only will you be caught up, you'll be the friend sharing an amazing link with your buddies. Join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up on the day before it even begins. And best of all, there's no paywall, no subscription fee, absolutely nothing. This is free, curated sports content delivered directly to you. Sign up at sports.axios.com. Again, try for free at sports.axios.com. The New Orleans Pelicans. Where do you want to start with them, Andy?
0: Well, um, I guess the elephant in the room right now is Zion Williamson, who just had a surgery to repair a torn meniscus. And I, I think we just got a... Oh, never mind. <laughs> Shams just tweeted sort of a behind the scenes story uh, about the knee injury. I thought maybe it was more news, but I, I'm guessing it's just a look back on everything. Um, they say he's out six to eight weeks. I, I sort of think that they're probably going to wait a little bit longer than that. This seems like the kind of injury that you're going to be extremely cautious with. Um, I I hope that it's not like a Blake Griffin situation where he ends up missing his entire rookie season. Uh, but if it means relative health going forward, then I'm, I'm all for that. I, it certainly puts a damper on the season for the Pelicans. I thought they were a sneaky playoff contender, not, not even sneaky. Cause a lot of people thought they were a playoff contender. Um, it's, it's crazy to say, but cause he's a rookie, but without Zion, I think a lot of that stuff probably goes out the window. I mean, from what I saw in the preseason, he was a huge part of what made them go, um, <laughs> He, had, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he averaged something like 23 points on 12 field goal attempts. Um, he he was just a machine out there, and I think this this changes a lot of things for the Pelicans. So I guess this is just sort of a general what's what's going to happen with Zion Williamson. Will they be um, you know well below 500 by the time he gets back? Uh, does that change their approach to this injury? Um, uh, are they no longer a sneaky playoff contender? I think there's just a bunch of new questions surrounding this team now that he's hurt.
1: Yeah. I should have went first. So I could have taken the gimme one on this one. But it's, <laughs> it's what, what is interesting or maybe it's not interesting. Um, but as Jeff Stotts from in street clothes noted, like they elected for, so they go with the, the, I think the menisceptomy or whatever it is, or removal. And it's the more common, of the two meniscus procedures, according to him, because it has the shorter recovery window. Um, but then you are at a higher risk of long-term issues. And so you hope that that's not what we see from Zion. The The flip side, though, would have been that if you had the meniscus repair, he Jeff Stotts, as he wrote, better long-term results. This is over at industryclose.com, But the recovery time leaks into months and i even heard someone say that he would probably miss the year if that happened. And so you just hope that i'm not saying the pelicans are making the wrong decisions here. I, you just hope that this doesn't become a recurring issue because i believe the right knee is the the one that he had a problem with at duke as well.
0: Yeah, um i don't i don't know that specifically, but i would be concerned about that too. I don't there's no reason to and then obviously the pelicans have their own doctors to train figure this stuff out. But if you have an option between (laughs) the safer long-term outcome and, and the not as safe long-term outcome, you think you would take the first one just because you're not going to win a title this year. Anyway. Uh, you, I would, (laughs) I would want to protect Zion, uh, to, to the best degree that I possibly could. I mean, he's, he is absolutely the future of this team. So, um, I don't know. That's that's all interesting stuff to think about for sure.
1: I would wonder if maybe because his, I'm not a doctor here, this would be a question to throw to the MDS. But because of his body type, like, does it maybe just make more sense to not do the repair? I, I honestly don't know. So because I, can't, I have no idea, you yeah. have to believe they have his best long term interests at heart. So it's not even allegedly they do. They he's a rookie. Yeah. he's the he is quite literally their future. So
0: yeah, for um, sure.
1: My first one for this team is. Are they, how much time is Nikhil Alexander-Walker going to end up getting? Because, look, it sounds funny because he had such a, this is a team that's kind of not in the throes of a rebuild, it's a really plucky rebuild, but they also have these veterans on the team, and like you said, even without Zion, though I do feel better about picking the under for them, they they are a team that might have playoff hopes, particularly if they're hovering around five hundred by the time he gets back. But Nikhil Alexander-Walker sort of made a huge case for himself to play during the preseason, Uh, This is his per-game stats where he only averaged 18.5 minutes in five preseason appearances. 15.4 points, uh, four assists, and he slashed 47.4, 46.7, and then 81.8. I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that gets to the line a ton, but he can create separation with a step back that I don't think anyone knew he had coming out of college. He's looked a lot more comfortable shooting the three, just operating off the dribble, and he does seem like someone who could run in offense and then he just he has the tools defensively and if you had i don't know if it becomes redundant to have him holiday and lonzo ball on the court at the same time but you could really do a lot of disruptive defensive stuff with with those three and i don't know if zion's injury helps ensure that he sees the court more because maybe new orleans is now more inclined to go with brandon ingram playing power forward a bunch which sends open spots on the wing and they're going to put drew holiday as the de facto three and yada 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 but i want to see if where he was in the preseason, eighteen to twenty minutes per game, is where he winds up in the regular season. Or is it going to be less? Or or could it possibly be more? I hope it's more. As you know.
0: Yes, you've been on the Nikhil Alexander Walker uh, bandwagon for a while. I can attest to that. Um, it's uh, he was he was actually one of my things to pay attention to as well. Sucker. Um, and and <laughs> I just I, who knows about this? I threw out. Possible rookie of the year candidate in Nikhil Alexander Walker. If Zion Williamson is out for an extended period of time, the the race becomes wide open. I think Ja Morant is probably the favorite at that point. He looked pretty good in the preseason. Um, but if I don't know if you had to pick like the five or six best rookies that we've seen so far, I think he's probably in the mix. Um, so that was actually one of my things to pay attention to as well.
1: Yeah, that's a um, good one. How it impacts the rookie
0: of the year race with him. Yeah, for sure. So I will actually I'll go to my other one, um, since that's pretty much off the table. <laughs> Do one or either or both of the Lonzo Ingram um pairing break out this season? I mean, how how much different will they look uh with this run and gun Pelicans offense as opposed to what they were what they had with the Lakers? Uh, will Lonzo ever figure out how to shoot? Um, can Brandon Ingram expand his game beyond the mid range a little bit? Um, Zion is again, he's, he's the key to everything with the Pel with the Pelicans going forward. But if, if one of these guys can break out and sort of hit the potential that we thought they had coming into the NBA, I think that changes, uh, the long-term outlook of the Pelicans quite a bit. So then I actually think both of them, could uh, still break out. I'm probably a little bit higher on Lonzo than I am on Ingram, but I, I think there's, especially from what I've seen this preseason, I think there's reason to believe that both of them can be pretty good. Lonzo still has is had a really tough time hitting shots in the preseason, and that's obvious. That I mean, that's the biggest thing with him, and it has been from the from the moment he entered the NBA. But uh, I, if if they can even get one of those guys to break out, I think that changes things quite a bit.
1: Yeah, Ingram would have been one of mine specifically. I feel like Ball is going to have the easier transition in Alvin Gentry's offense. For Ingram, can he just be more of a team, like a member of the team on offense? Because he he has it off the dribble. He gets to his spots. You don't always like his spots, but he really is fluid when he has the ball. We know he's disruptive on defense. We've seen him with Lakers last year. He played some really good defensive minutes at the four uh, for the Lakers games, again, that that I saw. It's can he look at the rim when he's catching the ball from the outside, up his three-point volume, and just be... A more part of the offense when he's off the ball. And he needs to, because look, you have. I know Drew Holiday's played a bunch of off guard, but Drew Holiday is going to get his touches. Lonzo Ball is going to get his touches. If Alexander Walker plays, he's going to get his touches. Even J.J. Reddick. I, I know Philly didn't lean on the pick and roll last year, but J.J. Reddick has been phenomenal when he has the ball in his hands, is able to run pick and rolls over the past two seasons, and it's pretty much accounted for about 10% of his offense. I don't know if New Orleans is going to match that, but I do think for Ingram to succeed, there's more question marks just because he's yet to really show that he can function as a member of the collective on offense. When he has the ball, you can see a lot of it and he's had really strong closes um, to the past two seasons before injuries kind of derailed his campaigns. Uh, My, my thing, my second thing for the Pelicans would just be, what does the rotation end up looking like? Who's who are going to be the odd players out? Darius Miller's injury almost makes it easier for them a little bit, but, like Josh Hart, Etuan Moore, I mentioned Nikhil Alexander-Walker before, and then one of their bigs, Jackson Hayes or Jaleel Okafor, uh, maybe even Nicola Like, There's going to be odd men out uh, from that group, I would say at least two or three, because you can't play everyone. And then especially when Zion Williamson comes back, I just want to know who's going to suffer the most. And my guesses would be that we're looking at Jackson Hayes would probably see very sparing time. And then once Zion's back, you're going to probably see just less of of Okafor, maybe even less of Melly, or maybe they just do like this platoon up front where you see Derek Favors' playing time suffer because they want to get everybody burned. And then Mm -hmm. I do think that uh, Etwan Moore's playing time is going to suffer. And then also, if if you have Nikhil Alexander-Walker still playing well in the regular season, that I think ends up hurting Josh Hart a little bit too.
0: Yeah, they've... (laughs) They're one of those teams that almost has too many guys. And you you probably can't go there with a team like the Pelicans because they're young and, um, you know, they they have plenty of opportunity to experiment this season. But there are a lot of guys who could be rotation players on this team. Um, It's a it's a wild spot (laughs) to be in for a team that just traded their franchise player uh, a few months ago. This is this is one of the quickest rebuilds i think we've ever seen and maybe maybe i'm jumping the gun a little bit there because we haven't actually seen them right. in the regular season yet and they're going to be without possibly their best player for a couple of months but they they are loaded with talent and that makes figuring out a rotation pretty tough
1: <laughs> and you you already went to your third thing right you use that up
0: yep so yep.
1: i'll i'll throw something else out there it's, it's the under the radar thing it's kind of similar to the the, uh, the Excuse me, the Rockets won, but as my slack continues to go off like crazy, um, <laughs> the NBA 100 published, say, a bleach Report for anyone who wants to check it out. So I'm being inundated with questions and everything. So anyway, uh, I this team is more built for a trade than I think we're talking about. It sort of feels like because now Bradley Beal signed his extension and they're rebuilding that they wouldn't be a team that makes that move. But if there's someone who's a little bit younger that's on the trade market, I could see them really going for it. And so the two names that are standing out to me, this one I don't wholeheartedly believe will reach the chopping block. But if the Pacers start out slow, and they're really concerned about the Sabonis-Turner pairing, they might maybe they kick around what Turner could get on the open market. I know there were reports. Uh, I think it was from Jay Michael who covers the— or No, I think I'm, I'm misreading. It was someone who covers the Pacers had a report that people were trying to get him— over the offseason, and one of them was the Pelicans leading into the draft, and the Pacers rebuffed it. I'm just wondering if – do we see that change? Because they just paid bonus. You know, they can't – the poison pill stuff is going to make it difficult to trade him. So he would be the one that I would want to move long-term. But do the Pacers consider it if the offer's there if Oladipo comes back and isn't himself, and they kind of fall out of the the, the playoff picture in the East where they're about to? And this team just has – really interesting contracts when you look at favors expiring deal 17.7 million each one more at 8.7 million i know darius miller is injured but he has a non-guarantee next year that's fully non-guaranteed so his 7.3 million dollar salary becomes an interesting trade chip. and that's just if they look at moving ingram maybe uh just because they don't want to pay him in restricted free agency and he seems with jalen brown now off the market one of those players that might get that oh he's young we're just going to try and drum up his price and if if the Pelicans match, then we've you know hurt their books a little bit. If they don't, we have this young player, so I think they could do something. Maybe it's an Aaron Gordon. You know, Orlando might put. They have just so many bigs and stuff that if you if they don't really trust Aaron Gordon as a three long term or someone who can handle the ball, they look at moving him and he would be a great fit. Next to Zion Williamson, a smaller front court, but I still think they could be really good defensively. That's something that I think we need to watch out more for with this team than we're talking about. <sighs>
0: Yeah, um I could see that. That I think that goes into having a ton of talent, which we just talked about too. I mean, it's you you certainly have um more opportunities for trades if you if you want to go that route.
1: Quick hitters, did you want to lead us through these or you want me to keep going?
0: Um I can do it. Yes. <laughs> Are they going to grade out higher on offense or defense?
1: This one was actually kind of tough for me.
0: I'm yeah. going to
1: say offense just because the number of young players but I could very it could be, I could see them being up to like top ten in both. Maybe with Zion out, that's being a little bit uh, you know, over zealous. But I'm I'm gonna say offense, I have sub zero confidence in that pick, though.
0: Uh sub zero, my favorite Mortal Kombat character.
1: That was that was interesting. I'm not was never a Mortal Kombat guy. Is that you were
0: right not pick? ready for that poll, were you? oh
1: no, I that just like did you play it on Sega?
0: Oh yes, oh I did, and I was um, always trying very hard to make sure my parents didn't see that I was playing that game. I don't know if it was like allowed for my older siblings and not me, but I do remember thinking like I cannot let my my parents see me playing this. Um, (laughs) Anyway, where am I? Uh, I'm gonna go with defense. I love it. I'm I'm with you. I think this was actually a pretty hard decision to make. I I went back and forth a couple times, Um, but I think Drew Holiday. Uh, stellar defensive player. Derek Favors, really good defensive player. I think Lonzo Ball is better on defense than he is on offense right now. Um, Ingram has the length to be really good on defense. So I think you're right to be concerned about the youth and and generally young teams aren't great defensively. Uh, But I think they have some really good defensive anchors on this team. So I went with defense.
1: It could very easily be either to me.
0: Yeah, for sure. Breakout candidate.
1: I'm just gonna go with Nikhil Alexander Walker. I just feel like he I know it's a rookie, but and we're hesitant to do that. If you if I had to pick another one, I, I really what you know I'll die on the Brandon Ingram Hill. I'll, I will yeah. I will be murdered on that and do not care. So he would do <laughs> my pick. But Nikhil Alexander Walker, I couldn't believe look, I get infatuated with one or two players ahead of every draft. I don't think they're getting enough love. And I'm not I'm never gonna take real victory laps because of all the times I'm wrong. And just to throw that out there, yes, I had Shea gilgis Alexander as one of them. I also had Frank Nielakina and Justin Patton. Uh, as previous (laughs) picks in that category too. So, but I just feel like he's going to demand playing time for this team. And we're going to see him be a meaningful contributor to a team that's not going to be flat out bad. They're a team that even if they don't make the playoffs, I think is going to be respectable. So he's going to be my pick.
0: I think that's a fair pick. Um, I am going with Nicolo Melli. He kind of strikes me as like, the next um Nikola Miritich and that might not sound like a a real high ceiling but Miritich was a good solid player for the years that he was over here in the NBA um never had like a huge role on any of the teams that he was on but he was he was a, a decent catch and shoot guy um one thing that's impressed me about Melly as I've watched him in the preseason is he's he really attacks the boards um so I, I think there's more to him than just a catch and shoot option. I think he plays hard. Um he's not gonna be like a lockdown defender or anything, but I think he's gonna be an important player for them. He's he's gonna be in the rotation all season, I think. So he's mine.
1: I dig it. I wonder if they kind of go with with Zion out, if they are looking to play small, do we see like him at the five a little bit?
0: Yeah, I could even see that. He's he's I think he's six eight, but he just plays big. He he really seems big out there. And I think there's a difference between um i think i think guys who aren't necessarily big can play bigger than they are that's what i'm trying to say
1: david um, agrees
0: yeah strongest year-end award candidate
1: this is tough but i'm gonna say rookie of the year because they have two possibilities is yeah. Zion if he comes back within the six to eight win- week window and then we don't see any setbacks from there he i think he could still absolutely win it and as as infatuated <laughs> as we might be with john Morant. R.J. Barrett, uh, DeAndre Hunter handling the ball a bunch in Atlanta, uh, Brandon Clark in Memphis as well. I I think that this rookie class is probably still a little bit weak enough uh, where he could, even if he misses a ton of time, that maybe voters will gravitate towards him. But also Nikhil Alexander-Walker. We already talked about it. If Zion's going to be out and he actually gets a role on this team, that's someone who could uh, distinguish himself. The only other one that I could really make a case for, I think, would be like – I don't even know if I could. Maybe a, a, a most improved player if you're looking at Ball or, or Ingram. But but beyond that, they would have to win a ton of games for Gentry to get Coach of the Year. Uh, so Rookie of the Year is my, my pick by far and away.
0: Yeah, and I think I, I just went with Zion for Rookie of the Year, even if he does miss a couple of months. If he... If he comes back and looks as good as he did in those preseason games, I think he's instantly the front runner. I don't think there's anything the rest of the class can do to separate themselves if he only misses a month or two. And I'm just going to trust the initial diagnosis right now. So if he comes back in six to eight weeks um, and he's he's right back to the player that we saw in the preseason, I think he's probably going to run away with it, assuming he stays healthy after that Um but it's it's certainly more of a question than it was even a week ago. So I'm, I'm still going with Zion for Rookie of the Year. Offbeat lineup that you would like to see?
1: Well, you know what? I can still pick Zion in there, right? Because he's going to play this season. I'm going Zion. And maybe it's not offbeat because I feel like this has become popular. Um, and actually, I'm going to change it because this one's not popular. Zion, Brandon Ingram at the four, Drew Holiday at the three. Redick and Nikhil Alexander Walker. I that leaves Lonzo ball off of it. I just want to see it. I want. I need to see it. I don't know if you maybe. I don't think you lack playmaking because one Zion can handle the ball, but even if you worry about kind of his facilitation in the half court, Drew Holiday is basically a point guard. I know he's played the two guard a bunch over the past few years, but he's a really good point guard too. And mm-hmm. then I I trust Alexander Walker to to run the offense again. I know that leaves Lonzo ball out, but if you're gonna have Ingram and Zion on the court at the same time, there's a chance that it makes. More sense to have uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker, uh, definitely Reddick, but Nikhil Alexander Walker or uh, Drew Holiday because they probably project as higher percentage, higher volume shooters.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good one. I went with uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker, JJ Reddick, Lonzo at the three, Ingram at the four, and Zion at the five. Wait, can Um, you run that back for me? Nikhil Alexander Walker at the one. I already love it. JJ Redick at the two because I'm going to need some shooting with this group Lonzo ball at the three Brandon Ingram at the four and Zion at the five Um, and like you said we're not gonna be able to see this lineup for a while because obviously Zion's hurt that's been a a running theme throughout this uh, team preview. But I, I just love the positional versatility of this group. I think they can switch all over the floor, uh, with the possible exception of Reddick. But you, I, again, I think he would need to be on with a group like this because you need somebody who can space the floor a little bit. Um, although Nikhil Alexander Walker has shown that he can certainly provide some of that. I want the dead eye in there as well. Um, so that's that's my group right there.
1: Hey, you, your boy Melly, you put him at the five now with Zion out. If we want to see an that's true. version of yeah. the
0: lineup, I can I can throw it out uh, earlier before. Zion gets back. Player most likely to get traded.
1: I think it's Etwan Moore. Darius Miller's contract mm. made me want to pick him, but he's injured, and so I would, maybe the team that would trade for that contract would actually want him to be there and hit standstill threes. Uh, Etwan Moore just seems like one of the guys that's going to suffer the most, and so perhaps they can offload him to a contender for something small, the middle of the season, a second-round pick or something. <laughs> I don't think they'll, they're definitely not going to get that value for Darius Miller, and then this would probably be selling too low on Josh Hart, so he would be my pick. There's really no huge logic. I'm not predicting a blockbuster for them necessarily, even though I'd monitor it for them. He just seems like the type of player that would be included in any iteration of a trade that they make.
0: Yeah, I could see that. I went with J.J. Redick. Um,
1: Holy hell.
0: (laughs) Here's why. I, I don't think he'll get traded, and I honestly don't think the Pelicans make a big trade at any point this season, but... If they're just not very good, which I think is in the cards, especially with Zion hurt for the first little bit of the season, um, they could look to explore some trade possibilities. And I think Reddick is a guy maybe more than anybody else on that roster who can, he can just instantly be plugged in on a contender. So a contender could talk themselves into, um, you know, throwing a couple assets, New Orleans way to get this, this, you know, knockdown shooter off the bench. I hate that, um, cliche but i couldn't think of anything else in the moment um so i I think his desirability around the league is probably why i'm doing that and and also i think he's got one of those salaries that's pretty tradable i think he's at like 14 million a year so it's good salary matching piece but again i don't think they're going to make a trade i just think if things go off the rails i i wouldn't be shocked to see him move to a team that's actually going to be in the playoffs
1: yeah if he wants to be a contender doesn't want to be part of even one year of a rebuild if he thinks that they can make the jump next year. I could. There's a path to that.
0: Yeah, and he keeps his playoff streak alive. (laughs)
1: Yeah, that's why he demands a trade in January. He (laughs) needs to keep his playoff streak alive.
0: Where do you think they'll land in the West?
1: I think they're going to be 9, 10, 11 range. And if if Zion's going to miss more than eight weeks, I'd probably tilt towards the 11. It just feels like between the Kings and the Mavericks and the Pelicans, I know you might have the Mavericks in the playoffs. Those are going to be the teams that fight for the, the 9, 10, and 11 spots in the West. I do think they have a ceiling of getting to like 7 or 8, though.
0: And so that's that's pretty much where I have them. Um, as you know, I've been going with ranges here, and I have a huge one. I I put 7 through 14. I'm tempted to modify it a little bit with Zion's entry because if you, if you get behind in the West this year, it's just going to be really, really hard to catch up. And I think there's the possibility that they fall behind in these opening couple of months. So maybe I bump it to like nine to 14. Um, But I, am not quite ready to rule them out of the playoffs. So I'm going to stick with seven to 14. Um, What is your bold ish prediction for this team?
1: That they make a trade that semi-substantial trade. You, you brought up an interesting point that even consider if they become sellers for some reason, There are interesting trades they can make there between Derek Favors, uh, JJ Redick, of course. Uh, Or if they're playing really well and there's just this opportunity that arises on the trade market, again, Aaron Gordon. Yeah, they could go either way. They could go either way. And so I think they do not just a trade. I think they do a semi-biggest trade, which might be refreshing
0: because it
1: doesn't seem like we're set up looking at players that could be available for anything truly weird to happen this year.
0: I don't know if I have a bullish <laughs> prediction for this team. I put, I, I tentatively put Nikhil Alexander Walker gets more rookie of the year votes than uh Zion because he's going to play all season. And I just don't know what's going to happen with Zion, but I, I don't want to, uh I don't want to put that out into the universe. Although I already did. I want, I want Zion back. I, he makes them so fun to watch. So I, I want him to make a speedy and full recovery. Um, Gosh, I don't even—I don't even know what my bold prediction for this team would be in the absence of that. Um, how, how's that for a, a rousing way to close out the Pelicans preview?
1: Yeah, that's such certainly a rousing way. Classic Andy <laughs> Hedge. At least you— at least you stayed on brand.
0: That's right. Yeah, I don't—I don't like to say anything I can't back up, Dan. You know this about me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Every guy looks better and feels more confident when he puts on a suit,
1: but there's one problem: guys keep buying generic off-the-rack suits. That's why Blue Wire is pumped to partner with Indochino for an amazing deal on a new suit. Indochino is the world's leading made-to-measure menswear company. They make suits and shirts to your exact measurements for an unparalleled fit and comfort. Looking to get married? They have tons of options for those looking to outfit their wedding party. It's so easy to get started. Visit a stylist at one of Indochino's 40 showrooms in North America and have them take your measurements personally, or measure yourself at home and shop online at Indochino.com. This week, Hardwood Knox listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just $369 at Indochino.com when entering BlueWire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com promo code BLUEWIRE for any premium suit, and it'll cost you just $369 to go along with free shipping. This is an incredible deal for a premium made-to-measure suit. Once you go custom, Indochino promises you you won't go back. Um, so let's talk our playoff predictions before we get to our quick finals picks, and, and we'll definitely be blowing through this just to try and make it succinct uh do you want to go first or do you want me to go first and i let's start with the east do you want me to go first or do you want to go first
0: um you go first
1: so we're gonna do this uh just by picking the teams that we think are gonna make the playoffs the eight teams that we're gonna make the playoffs in the east conference for the E uh east i have i did do standings for them because i feel like it's a little bit easier the bucks and the sixers at one and two for me the celtics at three I have the Nets at four. I almost feel like they're being slept Whoa. on now because of Kevin Durant's injury. The Raptors at five, and I'm assuming that they don't bust up the core. The Heat at six, the Magic at seven, and the Pacers at eight. I feel great about basically none of those picks after the Bucs and, <laughs> and the Sixers. And I do think a lot of people are talking themselves into the Sixers to get out of the East. I just don't know. The first year of everything, I know everyone's in love with Thibault. I still sort of question their depth, though, behind that starting five. Uh, I people, and even I've been very critical of the Bucs' offseason. I almost feel like now they're flying under the radar relative to what they did last season.
0: I'm going to go, I don't know if I can give an order. Um, like fine. I said earlier, earlier in this particular episode, um, it I'd almost, I, we've done, I've, every year I've done an order. It, it's, you know, somewhere, whether it was here or on the internet or, you know, somewhere. Um, but it increasingly just seems absurd to try and do that. So, my Eastern Conference playoffs teams are the Bucks, the Sixers, the Raptors, the Celtics, um, Magic. I'm as you can tell, I, this is difficult for me. Um, Pacers, Heat, Nets. Um, gosh, I want to get the Bulls in there, but I I, feel bad I, I don't off know the
1: Pistons too because of Blake Griffin.
0: I know the Pistons. The Pistons are tough to leave off as well. The Pistons and the Bulls, I think, are both. Um, they're teams that I want to get in, but I don't know who I would bump uh, from the group that I just named. Maybe the Pacers. Depending um, on
1: what happens with the Depot? Yeah,
0: yeah. This this is my long winded way of saying those are my eight teams. But I I think that the Pistons and the Bulls both have a legit shot to get in there, and I think the Bulls would be fun to see get in there with with how bad they've been for the last few years they have a fun roster so i, I want to see them get in there i just don't know who i can bump to make that happen
1: the pacers have a very variant ceiling to me too because i put them at eight just because i think they're going to struggle with all those new addiction uh addictions, addictions, addictions early on. <laughs> they'll struggle
0: and, with those too if they have yeah, them.
1: so I, if, if old depot comes back and he's himself they have a much higher ceiling they wouldn't want to be because Even if they finish eighth, they still wouldn't want to be a team I face in the playoffs just because you have to imagine that Oladipo will probably be rounding into form or just better off in general by then.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: My eight West playoff teams, and here's a way to make it really clear, the only team I'm removing from last year is I'm just swapping out the Lakers and the Thunder. And so probably that's the Cowards pick, but I'm not as high on the Mavericks (laughs) as a lot of people. The Kings, I think, will be better if you look at their point differential maybe, but it's going to be hard to win enough games in the West. And then the Pelicans without Zion— they would be the team that I'm highest on kind of sneaking in there. But again, the Kings, the Mavericks, and, and the Pelicans, those three teams that could sort of bust that up. And the the one prediction I'll give for order is I think the number one seed is going to end up going to, to the Nuggets. It just feels like between the Clippers and the Lakers, those are two teams that will punt on a lot of regular season games for, for rest. Uh, the Rockets, I don't know if they'll be good enough early on to float number one seed hopes. The, the Warriors, I'm higher on them the most, but I would be I'd be floored if they finished... With the number one seed maybe the Blazers maybe the Spurs they always seem to outperform projections and that's why I'm leaving both of them in and not picking one of those other three teams I'm just I trust Dame and CJ McCollum um, I trust that Hassan Whiteside is going to end up working out there for whatever reason they have some nice swing pieces and Anthony Simons and, and Zach Collins and it's just the same with the Spurs they won 48 games last year I just don't see how they get worse getting DeJounte Murray back I know there are spacing concerns on offense but they had spacing concerns last year still start a high, still shot a high clip from 3 overall because of their bench. Don't miss Davis Bertans Berton, uh, Davis Bertans there I suppose. I'm just not ready to to bump either either one of those teams.
0: They will miss Davis Bertans uh sneakily the the one of the most important players for that team last season. I think we went over this in a different episode, but I think
1: you <laughs> got over that in many a different episode. <laughs> yeah.
0: I think I went over that uh thoroughly when they traded him. Um My Western, I'm going to get weird here, Uh, Western Conference. Rockets, Nuggets, Clippers, Jazz, uh, Warriors, Lakers. um, What am I at? Six. (laughs) Mavericks. And then um, I was going to say the Pelicans for this last spot before the Zion Williamson injury and the surgery news. I'm going to get, I'm going to just go crazy and say the Sacramento Kings here.
1: So you bumped, <laughs> who did,
0: who, I bumped the Blazers, the Thunder and the Spurs.
1: My God.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I told you I was going to get weird. Um, the, the thing about the West is there really are, I, 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 I've been saying 13 teams, but that's probably a stretch, um, and I don't know, maybe there are... How many teams can we definitive, definitively say have no shot at the playoffs? Is no. it just the Suns and Grizzlies?
1: I, I want to put the Mavericks in there, but yeah. I think it's just the Suns <laughs> and the Grizzlies. Look, even the Thunder, what if they don't trade anybody? And they're healthy. I know, if they don't,
0: they're <laughs> certainly a contender to get in, for sure. Yeah, that's... Um,
1: I, I mean, you bumping three teams from last year is still absurd <laughs> to me, but I dig it.
0: I So the, a lot of the like mathematical models are... Um, low on the Kings. Like a lot of, a lot of these systems think they're going to be worse than they were last year. I don't know if they like outperform their point differential or what. Um, But I don't, I don't think they're going to take a step back. I I, like, I think you're pretty high on De'Aaron Fox. I am too. I think Buddy Heald is one of the better shooting guards in the league. I think Bagley takes a step forward. Uh, They've got a lot of interesting Young pieces here and I think they should continue to get better for the next couple of years. This is probably jumping the gun to say that they're going to get in the playoffs this year. They're probably a year or two away. Um, But I'm I just decided to uh, get a little bit spicy with these predictions. So yes, I'm bumping three teams. I'm putting the Kings, the Mavericks and the Lakers in the playoffs. How do you like that?
1: I, I love it. You know, we're, I, we might not be talking though about the possibility of the Warriors missing enough, at least on this podcast. I know people have broached it because what if they're yeah. just not, what if they're not great and that bench is going to be a problem and then they just decide to like punt a little bit on the season, but like maybe Clay Thompson doesn't come back.
0: I think, yeah, I think that's in play. Um, it, so we just talked about like how many teams can we definitively say are out. It's, it's equally difficult to definitively say who's in too um
1: i think you could make a case that four teams the spurs the blazers the thunder and the warriors have a relatively easy path uh, you know not assuming any more major injuries than they're already dealing with or roster changes of missing the playoffs that made it last year
0: yeah it's it's wild to think about it's as it's as wide open um as i think we've ever seen and i think we could have there's been years in the past where teams get to like 48, 49 wins and miss the playoffs in yep. the West and I think that's that's the kind of season we're about to witness.
1: Who are your finals teams and what is your championship pick?
0: I better stick with what I did um in that Bleacher Report staff piece that just came out yesterday. So I'll I'll take the Clippers winning it all and I'm going to say they win over uh 76ers.
1: I'm, uh, that's, I, I I could, I mean, that's probably a popular finals pick, which is like fine. I mean, the Clippers just look, they seem like they have the best team on paper. So th- that's a good pick there. I'm sticking with my pick at Bleach Report that, according to you, was wildly unpopular. <laughs> I'm going nuggets over bucks in the finals. And I'm very much aware that the NBA will, will have a heart attack if they have Milwaukee <laughs> and Denver as the two markets in the finals. Look
0: they would have a heart attack because of the market size, but man, that would be for people who actually like to watch basketball, that would be an incredible series.
1: The I'm picking and I want to defend my Nuggets pick a little bit here because I think people are thinking that it's more ludicrous than it actually is. There are seven teams that I think you can talk yourself into winning a championship next year. The Nuggets, yeah. the Bucks, the the Sixers, the Jazz, the Rockets, um, then the Clippers and the Lakers. And so and so in the West, five teams I think you could talk yourself into winning it. And if Klay Thompson came back who was healthy, and the Warriors you could guarantee were gonna make the playoffs, I think you could throw them in there too. You could
0: maybe expand it, yeah. And
1: I was gonna go with the Clippers, and I thought about the Lakers a little bit harder. I thought about the Bucs too. I'm rolling with one continuity on both teams. I just I think that helps. Milwaukee, I know they lost Brogdon, but most of their core is still intact. And then the same with the Nuggets, where there's a lot of turnover around them. But the other thing is this was the year I felt where I could go with an inkling because the that eventuality of the Warriors is is no longer there, and I didn't want to make what would have been kind of a coward's pick in my mind just by going with the consensus. I'm very much aware that I could be wrong, but you look at the Nuggets after the Jeremy Grant signing, if they get a healthy Gary Harris and Will Barton for the entire year, if Malik Beasley continues his upward trajectory, if Jamal Murray's just a little bit more consistent, I know there are a lot of ifs, but there are good, there are good ifs. And you still have yeah. Jokic, who's a top five top seven player I'd probably peg him around I don't think it's I'm I'm fully expecting to be wrong because unless you're taking the field against one or two teams you're you're probably going to be wrong yeah I just feel like this is the year where there was all this turnover that a team with continuity could really come out and uh, obliterate the majority opinion and perhaps I'm wrong I'm fully expecting to be wrong but I don't think the Nuggets are an absurd pick to win the title this year
0: I don't think they are either. Um, Just before we close it out and to kind of put a bow on this conversation, um, for the heck of it, here's 538's um, title odds. Chance of winning the finals. This is any team that has at least a 1% chance. Blazers, 1%. (laughs) Raptors, 1%. Celtics, 2%. Jazz, 2%. Lakers, 3%. Warriors, 6%. Nuggets, your pick, six percent. Seventy Sixers, fourteen percent. Bucks, sixteen percent. Clippers, eighteen percent. And Houston Rockets, twenty seven percent. Um, so their system it? loves them some James Harden. So that's that's where at least one mathematical approach puts it. So no Nuggets is not an outrageous pick. Um
1: take that bleacher report Twitter commenters. One of them <laughs> that's said right. I looked when you told me Favali should never pick a champion again. <laughs> I just I didn't think the Nuggets were that offbeat of a pick, to be no, honest with you. They
0: they shouldn't be. Um you're right. That's a very reasonable pick. And if you want to continue to discuss these picks with us on Twitter, again you can follow Dan at Dan Favali F-A-V-A-L-E. I'm at Andrew D. Bailey, the show is at Hardwood Knox. The podcast network is at Blue Wire Pods and the sponsor is at NBA underscore math. As always, if you have already rated, reviewed and subscribed to the show, make sure that you share it with your friends, family, coworkers, colleagues, whatever, uh, random people that you bump into on the street. Um, Share, share, share. And as always, until next time, we leave you with the shout out to Kyle Anderson. Oh, I switched the order and Benno Udry.